to a dying world, a world that cannot and may not even want to save itself. It's a message that makes all the difference in the universe. In fact, as Paul understands, but as even as he himself discovers in brand new ways as he preaches in Athens in our text today, the resurrection of Jesus indeed drives the whole divine story and thus drives the mission of the church. In today's gospel, um, Jesus is preparing to leave his disciples in death. And he takes the sins of the world to the cross, and he calls upon them to keep his word. And this is how God shows his love to his creation, for his word gives life. It gives the presence of God. And Jesus said to his disciples in Luke chapter 24, verses 46 to 47, he says, when he met them after the resurrection, thus it is written that the church should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all the nations. The message of the resurrection is what sent the apostles out on their way. Our sermon text begins with Paul in Athens, waiting for Timothy and Silas to join him. But he can't wait. The spirit within him is provoked. And by, the idol by, by all the idolatry that was happening in the city, and that the people were ignorant of the true and the very living God, and they were enslaved to numerous false gods, and so Paul can't wait for the arrival of his two protégés, Timothy and Silas, to begin speaking to the people. He has a message of the resurrection of Jesus that drives him forward. And for Paul, it must be told. And Paul preaches the resurrection of Jesus first to his fellow Jews and those who were devoted to the faith. God is known to them. They wait. They wait expectantly for God to save them. Still, this is not a guarantee that in their fallen state, they will trust Jesus to be the Christ. Thus, the resurrection of Jesus drives away false wisdom. Paul next moves to the marketplace. And like Jesus' parable of the great banquet in Luke 14, the servant Paul goes out to the streets in the marketplaces where all the people gather to call for all to come specifically to come and receive life. Paul calls, is a call to proclaim Jesus and his resurrection. But the philosophers of Athens overhear this proclamation and find it rather strange. The Stoics look for their God in nature. Nature revealed truth. So if something died, it was for the betterment of the cosmos and was the will of nature. The Epicureans, they believed that the gods were material and they were made of the same basic building blocks as man. They did not bother with rituals or observances. Their way of life in harmony with the gods was the pursuit of happiness through moderation and relationships. And the Stoics and the Epicureans labeled Paul simply as a babbler, one who didn't know what he was talking about a pseudo-intellectual. Still, they wish to know more about his teaching. What does it mean? 
What are the implications? And so they invite Paul to speak formally at the Areopagus. John said it better than me, where new ideas are discussed. Paul uses the altar of the unknown God as his starting point to speak of the living God. He says, this God do not know, you do not know created all. And since he is Lord of both heaven and earth, there is nothing God needs from us. Rather, he gives to the Athenians, Paul, and you sitting here today, life and breath and all things required to sustain them and you and me. And then Paul alludes to the problems of man's separation from God in verses 26 and tw through 28. He says, the natural man, the old Adam, is like a man in the dark, groping about, feeling and searching for God. And this seeking is not by virtue, but it's not a virtue, but it is simply a symptom of a dead soul lacking the word of life. And this illuminates two false ways of God. Mysticism, in other words, using feelings or emotions to find God, and rationalism, reason or logic as a way to him. And it's not that feelings or reason are bad, but God intends them for good and when used in the service of the word to edify you and to edify our neighbors. But the resurrection makes no sense to these men. So dedicated to their own false wisdom, they thought death was the liberation of the soul from the body. Who wants to be back in a body? Paul would say, what foolishness is that? Nevertheless, the resurrection of Jesus drives you back into the arms of God. Despite the Athenians' foolishness, Paul proclaims that God is not far from them and nor is he far from you. Not that they would ever find him by their own groping. Sin has made that impossible. But Jesus' cross has removed the sin that separated us from God and has reconciled you and me and the world to God. The resurrection announced that God has accepted Jesus' sacrifice as sufficient. God is no longer angry with the human race, which means God is no longer angry with you or me. So now God is where he promises to be for you. In proclamation of Jesus' crucified and raised in water, in the bread and the wine, he embraces you. But Christ's death, his resurrection, his ascension, which is celebrated this coming Thursday, he has authority to fulfill these promises, all of God's promises. The proclamation that Jesus is risen means life for you. And it's just not a, oh, pastor says it's so. This is the certainty, the proof that Jesus risen from the dead means that you can be certain that you will also rise to life with him in all eternity. So this morning I say, die. Not you physically, but the old Adam 
inside of each and every one of you and in me. Die and rise, loved ones of the Father, for that is who you are. For he loves you so much that he sent his son for you to bring you new life, to walk in that new life. And while you're walking to proclaim and assist his sent ones to proclaim that Christ is risen. Amen. Let us rise and profess our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty. Let us pray. Let us pray for the whole people of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. We pray with boldness and confidence because we know he hears our prayers because Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Heavenly Father, we praise and thank you for sending your son to die and rise again for the sins of the world. We praise and thank you for sending the Holy Spirit who calls us by the gospel, gathers us around your word and sacraments, enlightens us with your truth, and sanctifies and keeps us in the true faith. Christ is risen. He is risen Creator God, you have created this world and everything in it, as well as each person who lives in it. In you we live and move and have our being. And you continue to provide for our daily needs of body and life. Lead us as we, as we steward the resources and relationships you generously give us. Guide us to see all people as your masterpieces. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus, you know intimately the challenges we face and the griefs we bear in this life. Hear us as we pray for those who are hurting and grieving especially the Apachia family at the death of Margaret and the Schrader family at the death of Larry. Give them strength and healing according to your good and gracious will. Christ is risen. He is risen Lord God, you have placed us in a community where there are people who have never known you or who no longer are connected to your church. Guide us as you guided Paul and others to seize the opportunities to seize the moment, to share the reason for the hope we have, doing this with gentleness and respect. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Almighty God, you are the king of all creation and the fount of all wisdom. We pray for all the world leaders and ask that you guide them according to your will and your ways as they make decisions for the good of all. We especially pray for our president, vice president, governor, mayor, and all those who work in government. 
watch over their lives and guide them in the decisions they are called to make on our behalf. Christ is risen. Gracious God, we thank you for making us male and female and for creating families with a loving father and a mother. We grieve for those who do not experience life according to your design and for those who experience abandonment, abuse, and neglect. We celebrate with those who experience your love and their families. Today, we especially remember our mothers. We remember those in whose womb you knit us together. We remember those you have worked through to provide us comfort, wise counsel, care, and discipline throughout the different stages of our lives. We ask your blessing on all mothers that they experience your love and are shaped by it in their parenting. Christ is risen. It is risen we trust, O oh Lord, in your great mercy to hear and answer us through Jesus Christ who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly good, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in every place. Thank you, our God, who has created this world and everything in it, and in your mercy has given your only begotten Son. That whatever believes in him should not be destroyed, but have eternal life. We praise and thank you for saving us through the waters of baptism and giving us a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Through this meal, empower us to love you and to share the truth of hope that we have in you through the resurrection of Jesus with those in our homes, workplaces, and throughout our community. Therefore, with Mary Magdalene, Peter, and John, and with all the witnesses of the resurrection, with angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and singing. Holy, mighty, and merciful Lord, we worship you as the one who has created this world and everything in it and still takes care of it. In your great love for humanity, you sent your son, Jesus, to suffer once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to you, being put to death in the flesh but made alive in the spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison and who has gone into heaven and is at your right hand with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. As we come together at Jesus' table, we prepare to celebrate the gift he gives us, the full forgiveness of our sins as we eat and drink his body and blood that come to us in bread and wine. Through this meal, empower us by your spirit to love you by keeping your commands. Through Jesus Christ, our risen Lord and Savior. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven,
our Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. And after having given thanks, he broke it. He gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup. And after having given thanks, he gave it to his disciples and said, take drink. This is the cup of the New Testament of my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sin. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Amen. Please be seated. 